Um, well, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> good luck on that. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I have to tell you in full disclosure, I'm, I'm not opposed to, you know, the ability of public health officers under, under certain conditions having the ability to do some things. Um, you know, do I think the government uh, has handled things appropriately in terms of taking the advice and then um, basically turning the keys over to a public health official uh, solely, it seems, and, and not uh, taking any responsibility for what they're elected to do? Um, yes, but uh, that's more to do with uh, a leadership ideological uh, situation we currently have than how the, the orders are structured. Theoretically, we can get rid of a premier, we can get rid of a health minister, we can get rid of an MLA. I can't get rid of a health officer, though. Yeah. I also take serious issue with the fact that this BC Health Act wasn't even drafted in Canada. Okay. It actually, it, I'm not even joking here, it actually came from the World Health Organization. It's derived on the 2005 Quarantine Act, which itself is based on the third edition of the International Health Regulations, which came from the WHO. So I, I have a problem with, you know, foreign supranational bodies drafting laws, which, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I mean, like I say, I'm not sure have you have you forwarded any of your thoughts on to you know the, the government or, or public health. Have you had any response back? If you have, or um, I've never known you not to uh, voice your opinion wide and far. So, um, I haven't got well. I haven't been able to get anything reasonable from anyone. I actually had a talk with Kathy McLeod and all that all that long ago. Thing is, she's not running for re-election, so she's basically checked out at this point. Like, yeah, you can tell. It's like I'm. It's like when you put in your your notice. I'm I'm done. I'm gone. Well, I mean, to be fair, you're you're not the first to, to voice concerns to both myself or Kathy. I'm not going to speak for Kathy by any means, but um, you know, she's a nurse by truck by practice. the need for some public health measures is, is different than obviously yourself or, or you know, quite a few people, frankly. There's, there's quite a few people out there. This is not my first meeting I've had where people yeah. voice displeasure about uh, the links and the breadth of them. And uh, for various reasons of, of health, health orders and, and measures and, and the validity of them and all of that. Uh, but like I say, I, I don't happen to share that same level uh, of issue with them. Um, I also have issue with the fact that um, I think this whole thing is very, very grossly blown out of proportion. Like, well, aside from all the from the, all the media subsidies, which you can easily look up, I, and I have done that. Um, you go on the WHO's website, you find out what they call a definition of a death. They call it a clinically compatible illness, which is ripe for abuse. Uh, the BC CDC admits itself these PCR tests, like the 
nose sticks, those can actually detect infection. They've known this the whole time. They've published it, but they still use it. Um, not to, um, and I think I mentioned this to you when I spoke to you last time. Um, Bonnie's appearance in 2015, she was actually a witness in a 2015 Ontario labor arbitration. And she, t and she t t testified that this is influenza because the nurses in the Sault Ste. Marie didn't want to vaccinate, they didn't want to wear masks. This had to do with their influenza season. She testified as an expert witness. No evidence either of those actually work. Here we are at 2020, 2021. She says something quite different. No, uh, she said something quite different at the start of this too, with masks. So, um, as I say, I, I, I understand where the sentiments of yourself and, and a great many others have come from. Um, I have my levels of frustration as well, uh, not to the same degree, but certainly I have questions and I have concerns uh, in my own right, but uh, not to that level. And so, that does it. You know, I'm, I'm not threatened by your opinion on yeah. it at all, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be standing on a soapbox and champion it either at the same time, right? I'm not going to, I think we've had enough of these cats to know I'm not going to pussyfoot around it. Okay. So. okay, these so-called vaccines they're pushing aren't even approved by Health Canada. They have, they have what's called interim authorization, which is essentially a way, if the correct paperwork is signed, we can bypass a lot of the testing. There was, contrary to popular belief, there was never any approval given. And, th and this detail I'm probably, you're probably aware of, that manufacturers are indemnified, so if it screws you up, screws up your kids, your grandkids, your parents, you're on the hook. You're on the hook for it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, I I'm, uh, I fully support the vaccination program and, and the vaccines. I, I you know I have some questions as to AstraZeneca and whether I have it in my heart, but uh, you know at this point things have gone fine for me. So, um, like I say, we're we're on different. Uh, the health recommendations 
going to be. Uh, that's where I stand. I think we, we differ a fair amount, but there's some underlying similarities in terms of frustrations mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, how some things have been handled. Well, what, <clears throat> what about give it a year or two? The, the, the testing's still going on until 2023. <clears throat> so give it six months, a year, two years. What exactly happens if you find out this massive health complications that weren't obvious because there was no previous longitudinal testing? Yeah, and, and again, uh, valid point. We aren't going to know that for two or three years. I, I guess the flip side would be my question to you is, uh, you know, what, where will your mind change in two or three years if it turns out that uh, there was no adverse side effects and, in fact, it did pull the numbers down and, and people were reasonably able to get back to what we consider a, a normal movement and, and uh, enjoyment of life. Well, will there be normal uh, enjoyment of life if someone doesn't want that pumped into their veins? I think so, because at a certain point, the reality is it will be it'll be no different than anything else if you're not going to. Um, you know, my view of it is that the big push seems to be about uh, capacity in the health system and um, and the overall uh, issues that flow from that in terms of uh, overall public health. If, if the vaccines work as intended and everyone gets that has it and it's knocked down to the, the level of having a bit of a bad flu reasonably, you know, not the, the people that don't have serious consequences from the flu and the general population, but the vast majority of us, you get the flu, you're sick for a couple of days and you get on with your life. Um, if the vaccines work as intended and that's the, that's the bad scenario of if you happen to contract COVID still, Frankly, at that point, uh, the survival of the fittest of the, the, the masses tends to start to kick in in terms of uh, people start to say, okay, well, if you don't want it to get vaccinated, um, you're rolling the dice on your own, but you're not going to overwhelm because there's not that many um, people out there left to be vaccinated that will overwhelm the health system. So the health system will kick in and try to help you and save you if you do contract COVID. Um, but there's not so many millions of people that are left unvaccinated that... Uh, have the scenario like we saw unfold in Italy and other jurisdictions and even in Canada and the states where hospitals start to get overrun and, and uh, management and, uh, of patients just goes out the window so are, are they are they over are these are the hospitals that? overrun so I've actually I've actually scoped out the Kamloops hospital a few times it's I mean granted I don't have a lot of data like a lot of reference points but uh, seemed largely pretty empty to me and from my inquiries to people in other cities, it's with everything, everything quote unquote non-essential being shut down. It's a lot of them are pretty empty. Yeah, no, but I mean, there's and again, <laughs> um, not every hospital is, and not every jurisdiction, but even within BC, based on caseloads, and, and they start transferring some patients around. But it's also the number of respirators, it's the number of ICU beds, not just. It's not the size of the hospital, it's also what's the numbers of specialized pieces of equipment and rooms within that, that wall. Having an orthotics clinic, um, orthopedic surgery suite, uh, does not exactly help you with COVID. Um, having ventilators and ICUs beds does when things start to go bad, and that's the pinch points when they talk about hospital capacity that they're really talking about. It's not the, it's not the, uh, 
Have you actually have you ever Googled mm-hmm. Pfizer's lawsuit history? I'm cu- I'm curious. Have you? No. Um, and it, it's a quick search to find. Um, they've had to pay out billions in fines for misleading regulators, bribing doctors, falsifying records. Gotta say, I'm skeptical. Yeah, and fair enough. You're not alone. I'm not. A, I mean, there's there's a large there's a large body of people out there that that think very similar things to you. I hear from them all regularly. I've met with several. I can say it doesn't doesn't threaten my way of thinking on things yeah. either. Um, but uh, so, and, um, you know, and as I say, I have, I'm just I I won't be advancing this type of stuff. Is all I'm saying because I don't at my core I don't believe in it. And, and uh, I mean there's there's bringing forward constituents concerns. Uh, one level whether you agree with the constituent or not on a certain thing on, on like political ideological levels but this is on, on public health ideological levels and, and, and I just think that conscience could do that. Okay well how does setting up roadblocks and say like I can't drive from here to Vancouver how does setting up roadblocks help anything? Well again we're, we're not on contrary sides uh, across the board I don't know if you saw much Leading up to it, like but. we have, we have like five thousand pe- five thousand foreigners a day coming into Canada, but I can't drive to Vancouver as a citizen. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely lots of contradictions, and that's what I was saying earlier on that there's the political side of, of the contradictions of the health orders, or the political side of what's lacking when a health order comes in for for proper political backup support. Um, I have issues with, but the, the broad public health order itself or direction they're trying to do for public health, I don't. It's, uh, um, and so I spoke out a lot about the roadblocks or the fake roadblocks because I drove to Victoria back on Sunday and last night. I got a little good night last night, and uh, I haven't driven through one road check yet. And when I go on the ferry, um, and I've, this is my sec- second trip under these rules, second or third trip, um, never been through a roadblock when I go to the ferries they have already sold me my ticket as I'm about to pull away from the, the booth she says is your trip essential I say yes and she says have a nice day so I agree with you it's all fluff there's nothing to it it's it's uh, and that's where government starts to lose credibility when, when the premier puffs his chest to look tough but doesn't actually have any proper backing up to his words um, or how, it wasn't how? gonna work. It wasn't gonna work. He shouldn't have announced. Is what I'm saying. And he 
announced it and they spent weeks trying to basically manufacture something to look like he knew what he was talking about and, and in practice there's nothing meaningful place. Checking cars at Manning Park does nothing. So how is it, for example, I can go to, let's say, Walmart with like two, three, four hundred people in there, there's no issues whatsoever, but I can't go to a church with 40 people. Even though the per like the per like per square foot area would be far yeah. less. Uh, and we've had those questions, and, and 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 lots of people, especially on the, the variation between churches and, and a Walmart or Walmart and a small small independent business and, and things of that nature, not just Walmart, any large. Well, any yeah. Again, uh, not the first time I'm hearing that. And, had our own head shakes as well, saying, what, what, what the heck is all this add up to, right? Mm. Um, but that said, numbers numbers have been kept reasonably stable. I mean, even our spike was not, and, and our spike was managed to get uh, I, dialed in a bit. Can I, sh can I share something with you? Can I sh share a document with you really quick? Yeah. Um, hang on, I... Can I got a... We still have 10 minutes and then we've got to go on to the next one. So you're, you're still fine for 10 minutes, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, you disabled, you disabled sharing. Yeah. The sharing's disabled. I'm guessing that's Andrea. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can have a look, but it's probably if you want to just forward it. Um, it was in. It was by in. Email, it was in that list of links. Time. It was in that list of links. I want to bring it out, like to show them that. Ah, I see. You're saying to share your screen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what about something like, for example, and I've heard heard rumors of this all over the states and Europe, this whole vaccine passport idea, like you're going to be denied various opportunities in life unless you have the needle. Any of that going on in BC? Uh, to this point, there's been no indication that's going to happen. There has been some discussion about it potentially happening more at a national level. Um, for international travel, we'll have to see if it does come forward and not see what, what it's coming forward for. I will tell you, as someone who has traveled uh, to, to some of the more far-flung countries out there, um, you know, this isn't something new in regards to international travel. There's a great many countries out there that require proof of, of certain diseases um, or you just don't get a visa to enter their country long before COVID, it's been going on forever, malaria and all those types of things even. Um, so on a global scale like this, um, I'm unaware of it ever happening. And uh, it'll be, I, you know, I'm waiting to see if proposals come forward for vaccine passports, um, what they're used for, what style is the passport, what's the data collection, what's the data sharing, what's, what's it even used for. In terms of is it used if you're just going international? Is it used if you're, um, you know, 
I'm, I'm talking in terms of, for example, going to the store, getting a job, that sort of thing, something in the area. Would your, would your, par would your party ban this type of thing? I don't know. We haven't had that discussion as a party. Um, because it's, it's not, there's nothing out there as a proposal yet. Um, the government hasn't proposed anything. I'm no, obviously no fan of the current government, but uh, to be fair, they haven't. They haven't proposed, they haven't openly talked about, discussed, uh, or otherwise engaged with us or the public on on what they would think would be a, a proposal around something like that. So everything's theoretical at that point. And like I said at the beginning, it's it, there's a lot of moving parts to it. If it's something as simple as you need to show a, a passport to be able to watch your kid at a soccer game so there can be more than 30 people on the sidelines watching the kids play soccer, I think people are going to react very, very viscerally to that. If it's that you needed to be able to go to BC Place with 50,000 other people and watch a concert in the tight confines, uh, people might be much more accepting of that. So it would really be, there's such a wide range of discussion on this issue until you actually see what a government is truly proposing or not, just to say full stop. Um, I don't know if that, that really um, is, a, is much of a starter of a conversation at this point. This hasn't I been. Worries, this but, hasn't come up at all in the BC legislature. No, no, no. And then you'd have to layer in. You'd have to layer in. Uh, you know, rights under the labor code. You think. You think of a flu shot and all the, the battles the nurses have had as to whether or not they're allowed to still go to work with or without a flu shot. Long care, long term care workers aren't being forced to have vaccines to be able to still work in long term care homes. Would, em would employers assume liability if they force their employees to do it? I don't know. Like, say I go work at a hospital, just as an example. They make it mandatory to get the shot, I do, and it, whatever. I get paralyzed in one arm. Would the hospital then be responsible for my employer liability since they demanded it? I don't know, because it's not, you don't have the ability to force someone to get a vaccination. No, but but if you make it a condition of employment or continued employment, I don't I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, and it's never come up. That's why we never discussed it or looked into it because it's not a proposal that's in front of us at all. I, 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 there's not enough time in the day to try to elicit legal opinions on um, all sorts of hypothetical scenarios that, that don't exist. We have barely enough time to deal with what gets put in front of us in legislation in a meaningful way uh, with the stuff that's actually in black and white that's trying to get implemented and trying to try to dig into all of the what-ifs. So I'm not trying to dodge it. But we just literally have not looked into it because it's not come up. Oh, um, so, so something that was, I heard last year, I've, oddly enough, from Sadie Hunter, I'm wondering if you could confirm it. Is there or was there an all-party agreement to not actually make this a partisan issue to just give it to Bonnie Henry and BC Health? No. 
I, when you had that election campaign back in, was it October yeah. last year? October, yeah. I dropped in on one of her get-togethers get and she said that there was an agreement with all parties that we weren't actually going to do make a partisan issue of any of this. We're just going to hand everything off to BC Health. I'm wondering if that's true. No. Uh, we agreed. We agreed that we need to work for the betterment of all. I mean, it was a, it was a pandemic that came out of nowhere. And we went into the legislature on March 23rd and unanimously on a very short uh, couple-hour conversation procedural votes unanimously approved $5 billion of, of basically blank check spending for any and everything that the government needed to do to respond quickly to COVID. Um, the Premier held a lot of that money back to announce right before the election the campaign and make it part of his platform, unfortunately, but uh, lesson learned by us. But we had nothing in writing or anything. We just made it clear that we were not going to stand in the way of public health initiatives. Um, so that there was an, an understanding then, at least. Well, there was. We were. Well, we were all working. That's why they said that it was uh, BS when the premier said, um, you know, we need to put politics behind this after this election. That's where we need the election now because we're all saying, what are you talking about? We've been, we've been working together, and you've taken the goodwill that you got built up because we were working together, and you parlayed it into a majority government a year early. Um, so you know, as time has marched on. As more questions have emerged, as in the, in the fullness of time, you start seeing questions and issues again. Not as quite as much about what Bonnie Henry is actually doing, more about the performance of the government and where is that five billion dollars that we approved? Why isn't it going in to help people? Most most supports that have been provided in BC have been federal supports, like a channel through the provincial government. Um, where's the five billion dollars of help that we approved? Actually, seven billion. So uh, where, where did that all go? Like, I mean, that's the, where we're starting to, to train our focus in on. In the early days, um, that wasn't there because, frankly, it was still too early into the process and, and everything was brand new. Okay. In the fullness of time now, though, um, we've started to push back quite hard on a lot of the, the way the government itself is reacting. And I'll, I'll use the slowdown that happened seven weeks ago. So, so the, the Bonnie Henry announces that. Okay, that's fine. That's the public health side. She's announcing that because she says public health. We get that. Uh, you and I aren't going to agree on that, but I, I understand. Like, I get what she was doing. Um, I'm saying it's been 14, 15 months at that point since the pandemic started. Why did the government not already have contingency plans in place saying, okay, we need to go to another semi-lockdown we need to make sure we have governmental supports for this sector if we announce something in that area. Instead, they announce public health measures, and the government response is, okay, now we got to figure out how to help people once that lockdown's already come and gone, basically, so, by the time they actually get anything. So if you, hypothetically, if you were in power, like, which, what free, which of my freedoms would you get back? Like, like say you were, a, just, I don't know, a cabinet minister tomorrow. Like, what's, like, what specific freedoms would you get back? Again, I'm not going to deal in hypotheticals in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I don't get briefed by Bonnie Henry regularly like the government does. Um, they have obviously been hiding a lot of data that they are making decisions on. Um, I'm focusing more on, on what they are doing in terms of governmental programs, support, 
very heavily to Bonnie Henry. Bonnie Henry was um, hired by us as the assistant to the public health officer, Perry Kembo, uh, back in the day. And uh, when he retired out, it was every expectation she would be taking over with him in succession planning. So uh, we don't have, you know, it's not a case of that. It's a case of, of you know, trying to move forward as a, as a broader community. But, but frankly, um, you know, yourself and many others that share your concerns, um, short of everything going back to pre-COVID, um, you know, nothing, anything else is, a, is an extreme infringement on your rights. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you want me to say give you like two of your freedoms back. You want all your freedoms back. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, if people want to stay home and cower in their in their bedroom, I, I don't care. Like, go do it if you want to. Let me live my life. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, right. I'm sorry I got to run. I got I'm stacked up pretty good at meetings today, but right. uh, thanks for the time. Like I said, anytime. I don't uh, I don't uh, mind hearing other opinions and perspectives, but sometimes I, I yeah. tweet my thinking as well. So. Well. Enjoy, enjoy your AstraZeneca. I, I hear it was pulled for blood clotting. Well, I'm, I'm two weeks post, so I, I'm hopefully on the right side of it. But yes, it's in the back of my mind. Give, 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 it, give it six months to a year. Yeah. All right. Take care. Okay. Hehehehehehe <laughs>